Welcome back to another episode of the Capes and Tights podcast right here on capesandtights.com. Don't know why I'm so amped up right now. It's probably because I just got done talking with Brian McCauley, the author of Candy King Kills. Came out in November. Awesome short novella, holiday horror slasher, as well as the amazing Curse of the Reaper novel that came out in 2022. Recommended to us by Stephen Graham Jones, New York Times bestselling author. But Brian came on to talk about those books, the writing industry in general. He's also a WGA screenwriter. So we talked a little screenwriting. He's a professor out in Arizona. So we talked a little bit about that. But before you listen to this episode, check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Blue Sky. Rate, review, subscribe, all those things over on Apple and Spotify in all your major podcasting platforms. Follow us over on YouTube. This is Brian McCauley, author of Curse of the Reaper, as well as Candy King Kills right here on Capes and Tights Podcast. Enjoy, everyone. Welcome to the podcast, Brian. How are you today? Even though I've already asked you that question, but you know, now we're recording. How are you today? Well, if, I, <laughs> if I just gave a drastically different it's answer, different it's just like, it's terrible. Uh, day's going well so far, thank you. I'm set, settling into a new semester of teaching and uh, all's good so far. That's awesome. Yeah, you're like, I'm going to save the, the really good stuff for when he presses record. It's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the I saucy with, stuff. Yeah, I woke up in blood and don't remember the night before. So far, yes. off to a good start today. Yeah, yes, I just uh, came back for the shovel with dirt in my trunk. I don't know what <laughs> happened, but... <laughs> Typical books, Mondays, right? <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> well, so I was talking, I mentioned too, I was like, we have an episode uh, with CJ Lead, and I was talking about how it's a fictional story and i was like well it might be i don't know you could be basing this off a true story i don't know i'm not it's you the, it's the best cover story being a horror author you <laughs> never <just> know <laughs> like, you know there's no way this could be true they wrote about it in a book there's no way this could be real but <laughs> guess it is too bold um so yeah you're now uh you know multiple time published author which is exciting and um you are a Professor, assistant, what's, what's your actual title at, at your school? I am a clinical assistant professor of screenwriting at the um, Sydney Poitier New American Film School at ASU. So I'm here in Arizona. I just moved yeah. here from LA. Yeah. yeah so it's a, it goes a long title on a business card. Um, yep. <laughs> it's multiple it's lines. Yes, yeah, it's just multiple times. This actually has a chapter break in the middle of it. You don't, you yeah. don't know about that, but suspense. Uh, exactly. Uh, so you spend most of your time, uh, you know, teaching and molding the minds of America. But you also are a writer. Um, you consider yourself a professor first and, and an author second. Is that what you would consider? Yeah, I mean, it's it's been a shift. Literally, just this past uh, okay. fall was when I started teaching full time. I had been. Um, teaching part-time in LA at various schools. Um, and, you know, I'm also a WGA screenwriter in addition to an author. So it's been a sort of balance of screenwriting, fiction writing, teaching. But now that I'm teaching full-time, that's definitely my um, my main kind of what takes the most time. And I, yeah. I end up writing most in the mornings and then late evenings. So it's it's been interesting just kind of adjust my work schedule, but mm. it's uh, it takes a lot of the pressure off of writing as a as a financial career and more just on um, the joy of getting to put more work out there. Mm -hmm. I can see that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, uh, you know, they, they, we, I talked to, uh, uh, Christopher Golden about uh, his upcoming novel, uh, uh, you know, um, and 
he was mentioning about how like it's the fictional thing you see in stories and movies and all this is that people who have been published authors are these all of a sudden out of nowhere multimillionaire authors that you see like they've got their advance up from their book and they're just living like royalty uh they're spending money freely and all that stuff but the truth of the matter is most people who are writers have to have a second job uh to to pay the bills and help supplement uh -huh. their writing writing ability. No, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's it's a no, funny it's, world it's... It's really true. And and I don't know if that, you know, has shifted a lot or if just fiction has always been a bit uh, false on that front. I mean, I'm very grateful that I always wanted to teach full time because it's it's just incredibly fulfilling for me. And to be able to be a writing teacher means I get to spend every day talking story and character and working with young people to develop their voice. So it's incredibly fulfilling. And I know, you know, a lot of people, their goal is to become successful enough as a writer that they can quit their day job. But for me, that was never really, never really the goal because it just, uh, I did that for a while as a screenwriter. I was, yeah. I was working enough and making enough money that that was the only job I had, but it's just, it's an inconsistent financial mm -hmm. situation that for me does not lead to good writing. There's like a desperation that came from that. Um, but now I'm just like, I get to write what I want to write and um, have a nice balance with it. That, that's that's awesome where did you get the passion for writing i mean obviously you mentioned you said you wanted to teach but was this a young younger thing when you were when you were a kid teenager and stuff like that you wanted to write stories yeah for sure i i actually was just back home visiting my family in jersey and i've got a box of uh you know these old notebooks even when i was super young i have uh i wrote like a story a very like a two-page story for Tremors 3, Graboids Revenge. Uh, so that tells you that this was before there was a Tremors 3, um, but I was obsessed with those those first two movies as a kid. Um, I wrote like a, a Blade ripoff called Edge. <laughs> um, I was always very inspired by horror movies, writing my own stories. Yeah. Um, but definitely, you know, even though I was writing short stories, I moved quick, you know, film was my first passion and that's what I studied in school. Um, but was always taking creative writing classes. I just never thought that I could ever write a full novel until, yeah, some years later. I read on on your website too about how like you grew up on, on Goosebumps and you know Are You Afraid of the Dark the Goosebumps books and then Are You Afraid of the Dark TV show and stuff like that. Actually, this past weekend, I just like I've decided that every month for the next year or for I don't even know how long I'm going to do it, but I'm going to read a Goosebumps book over again as an yes. adult from an adult's point of view and adult eyes and what I've lived through and so on. Cause I've read them as a, as, as a child, I, I was born in the mid eighties. So like, obviously I grew up with R.L. Stein. The name is synonymous with horror as a kid and stuff like that. But like, I was like, Oh, I want to see these freaking hold up. Like I'm thinking yeah. myself, I'm like, it's like one of those things that I've talked to Adam Caesar about, uh, you know, clown in the cornfield. And I was like, your books are young adult horror, but like they're really, for, the idea is that they shouldn't be read by people younger than what right. your thing is. It's not like the limit. You have to be in that age frame to be like, okay, you can look at this. Like, no, this like an 80 year old person could read Clown in the Cornfield. Like, like horror and get it. I feel like the same yeah. thing with R.L. Stein and, and Goosebumps. Like it's not going to be gross. It's not going to be over the top. It's going to be just enough to potentially give them a few kids, a few nightmares here and there, but not to the point where they're never going to want to be in the dark again or so on and so forth. And, and it's just, I don't know, it's well-written. I was like, this is gonna be so much fun. 120, yeah. 150 pages, just bust through them in the weekend and, and, and have some fun reading these. And I'm like, they, they so hold up still. <laughs> yeah. I, I recently reread uh, Say Cheese and Die, um, mm -hmm. which is, was one of my favorites. And like, he's so good at those quick chapters with the cliffhangers. And I, 
I wasn't consciously doing that when I wrote Candy Cane Kills, but it was really interesting that, you know, my my book is the second in the Killer VHS series. Yeah. And the first book, Melon Head Mayhem, had a review that said it's Goosebumps for Grownups. And I had already <laughs> written my book by then, but when I looked at it, I was like, oh, it totally, I forgot how much I internalized that when I went to write a 150 page book. I yes. was like, well, it's going to be short chapters. It's going to make sure that it flows that in that goosebumps cliffhangery fashion. And that's been really fun to, to like have it reflected back and realize, of course, that's ingrained in me from, from being such a kid obsessed with that, that, you know, story structure. And it's, uh, it's just so funny. So I have like, obviously I read welcome to dead house. And then I think, uh, you know, monster blood, I'm going to read next. And, and, and uh, I'll say cheese and dies on that that list of, of of books I want to get through and so on and so forth. It's just kind of fun. It was just one of those things that I'm like, it's sometimes I mean, I just mentioned I read I read Mayfly this year. We talked to CJ Lee. Like that is the opposite of the book. Like the 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 intenseness that goes right. into uh, to to uh, uh, CJ's book and what Errol Stein writes in like something like Welcome to Dead has. But it's just fun and it's like I said, it's like one of those things that like I could just it's almost a palate cleanser uh, between yeah. reading books and so on and so forth. Plus. I wasn't until I don't know, ten years ago that I even could could read that well. Like I read a lot of comics and things like that, but like me sitting down and actually reading an actual novel was like pulling teeth, and yeah. I got into a lot falling into love with reading these things. And it's like okay, it's nice to go back to when it was easier to read some things instead of picking up a you know Stephen King book that's you know twelve hundred pages long or something like something like that. So it's a nice little weekend getaway, and I was glad to see that you also grew up reading uh goosebumps books which makes sense i mean if you're into horror stuff yep and that was a, and you're that under era. the age of like 40 you should probably yeah. uh have read goosebumps as a kid <laughs> yep that was just a defining a defining feature of childhood and yeah i'm a big big proponent of just accessibility with books and like leaning towards the things that are that will currently bring you joy rather than anything of like you should be reading this like there's no need for that it should all no. be for fun um and yeah late, lately i've i've just been gravitating more towards the novella format in general as a reader and a writer. Um, I don't know if it's just because of my shrinking attention span or what, but novels are longer. Yes. <laughs> and, uh... well, I, I, here's my here's my thought, and you mentioned the whole short chapters and things like that. Like I'm reading uh, the new couple in Five B uh, from Lisa Unger. Uh, it comes out in March, and uh, it, it's it's great. It's humble. It's a great book so far. But it's like I find myself when I read, I'm like, okay, I want to get to the end of a chapter to just you know, basically keep track of where I am. I can stop on any page and just move on or whatever. But I'm like, and the chapters are, are slightly longer than I expected or wanted. And so it's like, I find myself forcing myself to potentially read faster to try to get to that end of the chapter. I feel like I would be so much more accomplished if I could read a chapter and then do something in a chapter. And having these short chapters makes right. me almost fly through a book faster, but still retain the information. Um, yes. You know, it's not like one of those things where I'm flying through it. I'm like, what was the book about again? This was in something like Candy Cane Kills, you know, speaking of that, uh, was like that. And it also for the busy holiday season, you know, I want so much shit going on, like having a book that you can like, I don't know, take off from reading 500 page books and read something like this. It was so nice to have. So thank you. Yes. Yeah, no, it was it was really gratifying to see a lot of people um, saying that they they read it in one or two sittings over mm -hmm. the holidays, like in front of the Christmas tree. And I was just like, that's, that was my dream <laughs> writing it was to, was to create that, that cozy reading experience. Um, yeah. I, the funny thing is also, I'm more apt to read the book over again, if that makes sense too. Like mm, I, you know, yeah. I, I'm picking up, a, you know, I don't know, it's, it's under the dome from Stephen King or something like that. It's like, I'm going to read that once. 
in all yep. likelihood, you're potentially never going to read it again because there's so much to read out there and you're not going to pick the book that's 1,200 pages long. You're going to totally. pick a book that's a little bit more accessible. And that's what's cool yeah. about this. Um, but you started your first um, um, novel that came out uh, was, was, was Curse the Reaper. Uh, and Curse the Reaper, I have the hardcover here right now, was recommended to me by, I believe it was Stephen Graham Jones. <laughs> or it could have been. Yeah, it was. I remember that yeah. article on yes. your website. And yes. I I kind of lost my my mind a little bit. Just <laughs> seeing like, cool, no big deal. Stephen Graham Jones recommending my book. It's your book. So it, wildly it's like the, the fact that sometimes you feel like the fact that like when someone knows you for something and then not only knows you and knows of you and potentially read your stuff or done something with you and then recommends it to someone else that's like the other level the fact that he even knew your book it was probably like yeah. oh that's gratifying that's pretty cool but now that he's recommending it as one of his five books you should read right now was pretty cool honestly yeah no it meant the world and he <coughs> he's just such an impressive human being and writer um i'm, I'm such a fan and i'm, I'm grateful that he you know, he's been obviously a, a huge part of this wave of bringing bringing slashers to the forefront in, in fiction right now. And it's really, um, I had no idea when I was writing Curse of the Reaper that like, because because it came out not too long um, after uh, My Heart is a Chainsaw. So yeah. like the, the, there wasn't a huge slasher boom no. happening while I was writing it. And so I didn't know if that was a viable kind of market space but it just very quickly now has it's you know it's it's become pretty popular which is great which is great and i and i do think that uh, uh you know steven what i will say to anybody and i want to like recommend that to anybody with steven graham jones first of all an unbelievable award-winning new york times just like author he also writes comics so if anybody's interested in comics he writes uh, earth divers which is amazing over at idw um but the fact that his his trilogy, the first book, if you don't know slashers and you're big into reading, My Heart is a Chainsaw has also the slasher 101 chapters, which kind of like gives a humongous like synopsis of slashers over the past number of years. And it's like if you don't know much about the slasher world in comic or in, in movies, if you read this book, you're not only going to get a great novel, but you're also going to get knowledge based on yep. the actual true stories of slashers which is awesome too so i was like always recommend someone i'm like oh my god slashers read my hires a chainsaw and then read whatever else you don't have to go ahead and read don't fear the reaper but just go out there and read that one so you get not only you get a good story but you also get some little background on what slashers are all about <laughs> yeah and that what's cool about it too is like i feel like he's been part of like in slasher is a genre that not everybody immediately gravitates towards mm -hmm. um i grew up on them and i've always loved them so reading that book was like an encyclopedia of my own brain and just being, I didn't know that anybody else like thought this deeply about this subgenre, knew all these movies. But there's so many people that are not huge slasher fans that did not, as you said, grow up on them, but yeah. they get that access point um, and get to see like, oh, maybe there is something for me in this genre that I mm -hmm. can enjoy and appreciate. And that's that's the best is constantly breaking down those barriers for mm -hmm. readers. It's almost like you couldn't decide whether writing like a you know nonfiction book about slasher history or writing a fiction book about a slasher, uh, you know, Jay Daniels. And so he's like, nah, I'll just do both in the same thing. Give, give, <laughs> check both boxes off and, 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 you know, sell, sell a book and so on and so forth. But you, you mentioned slashers. And so I'm guessing you grew up on slasher films. Um, you have a, you have a love for slashers and that's why Curse the Reaper was born. Is that what I'm guessing? 
Yeah. So like, I think Scream was my big entryway when I was mm. nine or so. And it was just so much fun. It was just that sweet spot of mixing the kind of teen drama comedy with something super scary to me when I was, when I was that age. And it also similar to kind of how my heart is a chainsaw can do this in book form. Scream was like, here's the, here's the bibliography. <laughs> here's the study sheet of all these movies. And so I got mm. to go back and watch all the, the Halloween and nightmare and, um, Friday, Friday the 13th franchises and just found them so much fun. I just loved those ongoing franchises with the iconic slasher villain and the way that each one just got progressively more kind of zany and the mythology just gets more and more compounded and convoluted. Um, and uh, yeah, and then, you know, realizing like, oh, that these were inspired by, you know, Italian giallo films. So going back to like Dario Argento and... Mm -hmm. It just kind of like one thing led to the next and I was just, yeah, an obsessive movie watcher. And you're obviously like you mentioned about being a screenwriter too. Does, does that, you know, this book is like a crossover between a, a novel and there's screenwriting in it because there are pages in there um, from scripts. There's the base, it's based in the movie industry and stuff like that. Was that your history as a right screenwriter? One of the reasons why this novel came to get like this, be like this? I um a hundred percent because it started as a as a feature film screenplay okay. um that I uh was like a finalist at Austin Film Festival and got really great feedback and this is such a common thing in the industry is like everybody loves it, nobody buys it. Um and I think at that time, this was way back in you know, twenty thirteen, um, a lot of the response was I love it, but there's almost like too much character development for me to sell this as a horror movie. So can you just like cut out all the character development? And I was just like, no, I, that's to me is so boring. And that's the exact opposite of what I was trying to do here. Um, so it just sat on a shelf until I got to a point in my screenwriting career where I felt felt a little burnt out and felt like I needed to refresh myself in some way. And that's when I realized like, well, if I wrote that script as a novel, I could lean even deeper into mm -hmm. character development. I could go even further into the psyches of these two characters. And it just all of a sudden made so much more sense, too. It, it, it's funny, too, because it'd be a funny, even funnier if it's eventually optioned for a movie. And the fact that you tried to sound as a screenwriter first and then it, a novel. And then it'd be like, wait, wait, hold on. So just, where were you when the actual thing was being written as a screenwriter, uh, a script? <laughs> like, where yep. were you? <laughs> and it ha it actually has, I mean, this hasn't been officially announced and it, yeah. it won't be until, but uh, it has been optioned um, for film development, which was, yeah, kind of surreal for it to, to come full circle in that way. <laughs> so it's we'll see. So it's, funny. it's a crazy yeah. world. It's almost like, I feel like there's a lot of people out there in the movie industry and in the TV industry uh, that just would rather have it be a book first so they can say it's adapted because of the fact that A, it's, you already have it, you're built in an audience, right? You already yes. have all these people uh, that like your book. Esquire you know, rated it as one of the top books of 2022, horror books of 2022. Um, it has this built-in audience now that they can actually have a proven concept to it. But also it's like, yeah, but it was a book first. So you guys should like this because, you know, everything is now was something else before it was something else. Yeah. It, it seems like they almost wanted it to go that way first, write it a book and then we'll pick it up. <laughs> no, that's that. And that was one of the, one of the practical reasons that I wrote it. I had, I had sold an original series to sci-fi network and spent a year in development writing a pilot script and they bought it the idea because they, it was so original and then a year later, they rebranded the network and said, we're actually only doing IP now. So mm -hmm. they 
they didn't make my show. And that's when I was like, okay, if IP is the only thing happening, can I create my own IP? And that, yeah, that, that so far that's that worked. <laughs> um, talking sidebar on that, the screenwriting side of things is, you know, I'm guessing you've written things that have been options like that or an option, but picked up or purchased that never actually sees the light of day. Um, that probably happens a little bit more to people in the screenwriting and, and writing on TV and television and movies than it does in books. But like, what's that experience like that? They've now had the story that you wanted to tell that they they bought from you, but you actually don't ever get to make. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a bummer that I, I, I will say that I'm very fortunate that I think that was I mean, I've written so many scripts yeah. on spec that didn't sell. Um, but I also had a run where um, a company was hiring me pretty consistently to write movies for them. They would give me the concept and I would pitch them the story and they'd say, cool, we're going to pay you to write it. Um, those were all mostly lifetime movie thrillers. Mm -hmm. um, there was one indie thriller called Dismissed that had a bit of a bigger cast and um, was... I've, I've uh, seen Dismissed and I have seen oh. Danny Cam. Oh man, <laughs> thanks for watching. Um, I always do the disclaimer of like, this is one of the reasons I moved into books is because the <laughs> final products are never quite, you know, matching uh, yeah. the, the initial vision or the screenplay. Um, so there is a lot of kind of heartache and disillusionment in the film and TV industry that I then channeled even deeper into the, you know, adapting Curse of the Reaper into book. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, that's why... But what's ironic is that there's so many projects that that didn't move forward in film and TV, like a TV pitch that I never sold. I then wrote as a short story that sold to a magazine and now is in development with the production company or that sci-fi TV. Um, even though I sold it, the the like their ownership of it has lapsed. And I wrote it as a flash fiction piece that just got published in a magazine. So now my agents can take that out to try to try to sell it again. Sell it. Yes, exactly. Um, it's a, and, and that's one of the reasons why having a professional, like being a teacher probably is nice. Cause it's like, if that all stuff comes to fruition, awesome. If not, I still can pay my mortgage. I can still pay my rent. I can still pay the car bills, whatever you mean. Cause you have a, a steady job. So if anything comes to fruition, awesome. And if one yes. day you have too much of that stuff comes to fruition and you can't handle both, then you'll deal with that then. But it's, it is nice to have that, not a, it gives you a little bit more freedom to have some fun and do what you want in that sense. Yeah. I, I'm guessing. I mean, no, a hundred percent. It really is like the icing on the cake of just like, you know, my primary goal is like, I want to enjoy the process of writing and get joy from that. If I'm not doing that, then what's the point? And then the That's extra funny. thing is like, if it can get published and I can have readers all the better, but yeah, I think I had heard an interview actually with, with Stephen Graham Jones, who's also a, a college writing professor. Mm -hmm. And he, he said something similar of like, feels like being a, a teacher for a day job. I think he said it, it kind of feels like cheating because it's like, it's the best possible like balance. But he yeah. had said like, if right now the balance works, but if it, the scales tip, like he's a writer first and foremost. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, one of the other benefits is I get to bring that into the classroom, like quite literally be, bring in lessons from the four, the, you know, the front lines of all these industries and say, here's what's, here's what I just experienced or, um, like I brought the first chapter of Candy Cane Kills in and we did an adaptation exercise where they adapted it into a script, into script pages. And we talked about, all right, what's the difference between these two mediums? What works in this one and doesn't in the other? How do you make changes? What do you lose in the process? So I'm always thinking of using that professional experience in the classroom to, to create new lessons for them. 
That's awesome. I love to hear that stuff. And it's cool because I'm, I'm guessing it's probably a fun thing for your, your students to also to be like, it's nice to have a teacher who has had published work, who's had both published work and made work in TV and movies slash books and to have all of that and actually have like, it's like, uh, you know, when I used to be a bar manager, it was like, I wouldn't let's make someone throw up, pick up puke in the bathroom until I did it. Uh, mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I like, wouldn't be like, go yes. clean that up. It, it, I was the one that did it first. And then once I, they saw me do it, be like, okay, my manager will do it. Now I can say for the rest of my life, as long as I'm a bar manager, you have to do it because I've done it. But yep. it's like one of those things that like you actually have been in the trenches. You've done these things. You've written books. You, you pitch books to, 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 to publishers. You've pitched scripts to people, stories to people. And so it might be like, taking your class and be like, oh yeah, this person's actually done this. This is pretty cool. Yeah, there is a there is a level of uh, legitimacy and therefore kind of trust of like, I've, I've, I've been through this. I know what the process is, um, even down to the basics of like in screenwriting workshops of like, part of your job is to know how to give and receive notes. And that's what mm -hmm. we're practicing here. And it can't just be, that movie sucks. Like that's not, that's not valuable constructive feedback we have wait to... that's how the internet works isn't it right that's what it's, <laughs> a, it's a lot of deep programming on that <laughs> but yeah so it's really funny you do so you deal with you you obviously like i said you have the history of screenwriting you have the history now of, of writing novels this deals a little bit of both in this book but you also deal with addiction um and i hate to i don't know what the words are of it but like also like aging out of hollywood in a sense like that yeah. we're living in a world of reboots and continuations and sequels and that it honestly didn't really dawn on me until I read something like Curse of the Reaper that like there's a time where you can't continuously use the original actor. <laughs> You know, right. what I mean? like you have to almost reboot. Like I hate to use the, the 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 comparison of Michael J. Fox, but like doing a reboot with Michael J. Fox and it is practically impossible at this point in, in his life. Um, of Back to the Future, I should say. Right. I don't know if I said that, but like it, you could do something slightly different. I don't think we'd potentially see someone recasted as Marty McFly, but you might be able to use his kid or something along those lines. It's some sort of, you know, version of it. Um, so you deal with a little bit of everything in this book, not only, you know, slasher movies in the book is a slasher uh, as itself is the fact that you have addiction in there, recovery, you have, like I said, this aging out of all, I don't know what the actual terminology would be, but like, is a, is a little bit of everything in this book. It's not just a slayer head slasher. Yeah, that that was part of the goal too. Was um, I knew that it wasn't just going to be a straight up slasher, and that I wanted to I wanted it to be a character driven drama within the slasher milieu. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's more of a psychological thriller in structure, yeah. um, and then it keeps building in towards that slasher third act. I'd say, uh, but I that was one of the things I wanted to preserve. From the screenplay through the novel was like lean more into that like make this make us really care about these people um so that it feels very real like i wanted also the contrast of like the screenplay pages and excerpts get more and more campy and the, mm -hmm. the reaper in the movies is is ridiculous and not scary um but by contrast like seeing it in the real world as howard is seeing manifestations of this character that feels more real, including the the murders in the real world don't feel as over the top, but um, it was fun to kind of play with that, that balance. And like, that's, that, that for me is always the goal is like, how can I take elements of things that I love? Like I grew up watching like Sundance indie drama movies mm -hmm. as much as I did slasher movies. So I was like, why can't I make something that melds both? And then that's, <laughs> that's kind of becomes my thing. And it, it, it kind of carried into Kenny King kills. A lot of the reviews were, 
talking about the character development as being like a pleasant surprise. Now, that's the benefit for me of having written two books and getting reviews back to be able to see what people are responding to and be like, yeah. great, if you if you love that, that's what I love to write. So I'm going to keep leaning into that. It's it's one of those things that like my wife reads a, a variety of books, but she tends to lean towards your romance novels, your cheesy things uh, that that I haven't been able to get into for multiple reasons. And one of them is I think she thinks that you can't care for the characters in a slasher or a horror book. Like there's there's like this weird thing that that obviously slashers are the are the villains in a sense that it's hard to like care for these people. But like I felt like in both Candy Cane Kills and in Curse the Reaper, I had this like. I cared what happened to them, like whether that the bad people or good people or whatever. It's like you felt like you did, you wanted them to succeed, whether it succeed at killing people or yeah. <laughs> succeed succeed at, at, at changing their lives or going a different direction. You want to see them, but you know, make their way through the book. And that's something that with your character development in the beginning, you know, the first few parts of each book is is is, is so good that made me actually care for these characters and care what see what happens to them. Thank you. That it means a lot, and it really is. Um... I think a big difference in in the movie versus book stuff because like I it's it's harder to do that in a screenplay and, and in a film um especially to do it with as many characters for example like in Candy King Kills we get into 12 different characters mm-hmm. heads in 150 pages and that um to be able to dip into their interior life and experience and you know hopes and fears is much more of a a benefit of a novel than it is Mm. a screenplay. So I really, you know, as I, as I write in this new medium, I'm like, I'm going to enjoy and lean into that because it's not something I really get to do in screenplays. Mm -hmm. And and, and so Curse of the Reaper came out, as I mentioned in 2022 in hardcover, is it available in paperback right now? It is not yet. The publisher has still not put out the paperback. It is available in ebook and audiobook, And a lot of the reviews of the audiobook have been, very positive because yes. the Eric Alfie did a great job um, with the narration right. on that. I think that's one of the reasons why there's two reasons why I like to consume. It's hard. I have a two and a half year old. I have a day job. I have this. Um, so there's a lot that goes into my life that I have to do. And I want to spend time with my wife and my family and all that stuff. So it's hard for me to, to always sit down and just focus on And plus I read comics and all that stuff as well. So mm-hmm. a lot of times I'm thinking to myself like in the car, I, I drive about 25 minutes into my office is wasted time in my opinion like obviously i have to get to my office but like it's just sitting there listening to music or the radio it's like what do i get out of this so a lot of times i'm like okay i'm gonna read an audiobook listen to audiobook to and from the office uh if i'm doing dishes uh and in the kitchen i'm i'm listening to an audiobook because i can obviously just scrubbing dishes you can focus more on (laughs) maybe there's a couple of dishes that come through not that clean but but i i i do that (laughs) i want to read the book because i like physically sitting down and reading the book but i also think that the audiobook takes up the time that you can't physically sit and read books, but also gives me the ability afterwards to kind of give a full, great review and perspective of what this book's about when you have the narration and yeah. and reading it yourself. Because uh, if you feel like there's some books that I've like, I'm glad I listened to this audiobook because if I didn't listen to this audiobook, I might not have gotten the same experience out of it because the narrating of the book it gives you that character feel that you can also take into when you read it. So if someone yes. you know emphasizes certain words or does certain dialect or certain whatever, you didn't take that into your mind when you go to read the book the rest of the way and keep that in it. So audiobooks are great for anybody who doesn't doesn't really know about audiobooks or or, or read through audiobooks. Yeah. No, and I I I'm only learning about it since I've become an author and yeah. started listening to them more and realizing 
first of all, what an incredible art form it is for these performers to to be able to inhabit all the characters. Like I think my previous misconception was like, oh, audiobooks are just somebody reading the book. I'm like, no, no, this is like this is an audio drama performance, and mm -hmm. they're finding voices for each of these characters. And um, it's really it's it's an incredible uh, experience to be able to to kind of immerse in a book in that way. And I think there's this audible originals too. Like uh, Adam Caesar just had one uh, this year, Influencer, which right. is absolutely wonderful. And I think I think the book would have been great too if it came out in an actual printed novel. But I do think that that the cast that he had or Audible put together, uh, there's like three or four people that were in this uh, uh, book. I think added to the whole experience of what this book was all about. And so there is this, like I said, depending on who you get. Sometimes I've listened to audiobooks. And I'm like. Did someone listen to this before they put it out? Like, <laughs> a, a, the recording of it is horrid. And B, like, this person, why would you do this dialect the entire time? Like, I understand you're trying to get across the character, but, like, I can't understand a word this person's saying. So I have to just oh, think no. it. it's just, it's like one of those things. It's like someone was just like, we got to get an audio book out there. Let's throw it out there. Yeah. Um, not naming names or books, but uh, it, it's just funny how sometimes that's like that. Curse of the Reaper is definitely not like that. Candy King Kills is also... Not like that because I did read Candy Cane Kills uh, both physically and audiobook as well. And uh, where was that? Did Candy Cane Kills come out of like your success with with uh, Curse the Reaper, or was this already in the in the making when Curse the Reaper was released? In some ways, so basically the way it happened was um, I had written a, a short story called Won't Last Long, and I sold it to Shortwave Books um, to Shortwave Magazine. They have an online magazine. Um, and in talking to Alan Mustafka, the editor there, through that process, he was like, hey, I wanted to throw this pitch at you for this killer VHS series that I'm doing. We have the first book. Um, basically, it's going to be novellas, individual authors for each one, throwback to those 80s VHS covers you used to see. Mm -hmm. I'm going to package them in blockbuster type boxes. Everyone's going to get a membership card does this sound up your alley? And I was like, well, yeah, because he had read Curse <laughs> of the Reaper and was like, this feels like it's probably in your wheelhouse. Um, so do you want to pitch an idea for something? And uh, and he told me because it was the second book, he's like, yours would probably come out in the November, December timeline. And that was when I was like, so could I do a Christmas horror? And he was like, yeah, what, what do you want to do? And I didn't have any ideas at the time. I just knew that that sounded fun to me. Um, but Candy Cane, C-A-I-N, was the mm -hmm. first thing that came to me. And then I was like, okay, if that's the name of the slasher, who is it? What is what is the legend, the lore? Yeah. And I kind of built the character first and then the story around it. And it, it's probably the fastest I've ever outlined anything in my life. It just, all of a sudden, I just saw it. Like I was watching a movie in, movie in my head and transcribing the outline and sent it to Alan. And he was like, you understood the assignment. Yes. Like, <laughs> let's, let's do let's it. Let's do this. Yeah. That's, uh, that's, that's so awesome to hear that. It's like, it's a fun thing. I'm a big proponent. Like people make fun of me and like, they're like, Oh, Christmas is Christmas and so on and so forth. But like, I'm big into campy Christmas horror movies, slasher movies. Like I loved, you know, watching all of those this Christmas. Like I watched Rudolph with my wife and my son and all that stuff. But like, on the side, I'd be watching, you know, Silent but Deadly, Silent but Deadly, Silent Deadly, Silent Night, Deadly Night. Uh, you know, those kind of movies. I thought it was just they're they're unbelievably fun because 
it seems like everybody thinks that slashers and horror movies happen only around Halloween. Like people only get killed around Halloween. And it's like, it's not true. Like these movies take place all over or or summertime during summer camp or whatever. And I'm like a a horror Christmas thing, you know, stories can definitely revolve around Christmas and be horrible, horrifying. And, and that to me was like, it gives me something to read, especially in novella, novella format, something to read every Christmas. Like you do a Christmas movie and you watch Christmas movie. And, uh, and and get something different out of it. And I think it's exciting. It's exciting how it came out right around that time, uh, around Christmas. And we were, like I said, we talked a little bit off uh, uh, recording, but we were supposed to record prior to Christmas. Right. My hope was that we get it out and that people had like a week or two before Christmas they could buy it and read it. Um, but we're gonna go as now is that you can do Christmas in July, right? You can read it this summer. Yes. <laughs> or you can pick it up now so that you can read it next Christmas. And uh, you know we ended up having a huge storm here and it was right. funny. So I, I, I emailed you and I was like, yeah, I don't know if we're gonna be able to do this, the storm, da, da, da. I had recorded earlier in the morning and I literally was saying, thanks for coming on. And the power went out. And so it was like, I finished the recording and the power went out. And I was like, that's like, Ooh. you know, like the, the podcasting gods are watching over me. And yeah. then it came back on like a half an hour later. I'm like, well, is that it? Is that all we're going to lose power for today? But I was like, I don't want to risk it. So I emailed you and I was like, yeah, yeah, we should probably just delay this and like maybe do it in January and so on and so forth. And we were supposed to record at like three o'clock my time and it ended up like 3.20. The power went back off again and didn't come back on for three days. So it was Whoa, like, <laughs> so we would have been like 20 minutes in and it would have been like rolling. Oh. We would have had an awesome talk. This has been great. It would have cut off. and would have had to do it now anyway. And so yeah. it was a great call to do that. But I'm so glad missed, we did. <laughs> we missed Christmas. No, no but, and that was one of the things with this book we knew going in was like, okay, well, it's going to have a big, you know, Chris, we're going to push it for Christmas, obviously, yeah. but we don't know how much people are going to read it after Christmas, except yes, we're going to do a big push Christmas in July. Yeah. But that was part of it too, was just know that like, as you said, it's a novella and it's one that yeah. every Christmas and gratefully, a lot of the reviewers have said that, that they're like, I'm adding this to my yearly read mm-hmm. list. Cause like we horror fans love to like have that coziness of like, I know this story. I want to settle back into it, enjoy it. Um, so it was, it's just kind of part of the, the trade-off of just focusing in on a specific season and just being like, but it's going to be every season will, will be there for mm-hmm. you. <laughs> And I'm uh, I'm guessing uh, did you, you you said you didn't hadn't read Melonhead Mayhem yet, or had you? Uh, no, I read it. Okay. I can't remember at what stage I had read it. I maybe had already done the outline, so I didn't know exactly what. I mean, I'd seen the cover design, and that was a big selling point. I was like, oh, if this is what the covers are going to look like, yeah. awesome. But I did read Melonhead Mayhem at some point and was and loved it, and just like loved the the critters throwback creature feature mm-hmm. vibes. Alex did a great job with it. And it just really kind of set the tone for the series that that Alan is is building with the killer VHS. And a couple more have been announced now that are coming out next year. Um, that is just like every author is, has a different kind of take. Because the other factor is each one has to have some kind of sort of found footage element yeah. to it and deal with some kind of tape or, or audio thing or um, film. But yeah, that kind of has a nice through line to it. So it all feels like it's of a universe. And, and you're in the thick of, obviously this book came out in November. So you're still in the thick of I mean, promoting that, that now it's been out. If, you know, if someone asked you about what books you've been releasing, now your latest release is Candy Cane Kills. Um, so some people may have not heard it yet. Can you get a little like synopsis, a little elevator pitch of what Candy Cane Kills is? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Candy Cane Kills, um, 
tells the story of Austin, who's a, a teen teenage boy, and he has younger sister Fiona. Their parents are dragging them from LA to um, a remote cottage in the snowy wilderness around Big Bear to try to mend broken bonds. Um, the parents are, have been on the verge of divorce for a while. He and his sister are at odds. Um, and unfortunately, things get even more <laughs> tense when they discover that 10 years ago, uh, a family died in this house that they're renting on Christmas Day. And um, it is known as the Candy Cane Killings. Um, and that this legendary killer, Candy Cane, might be back for some more Christmas mayhem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, 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 uh, the book, like I said, you followed Melon, uh, Melon Head Mayhem, which again, they're not connected. So don't feel like you need to go out there. I recommend you go out and reading every killer VHS book that's out there, you know, and the, including the ones that are coming out. Um, but you don't need to. That's what's great about it is that you can actually pop into one if you like the author pop out if you like the theme behind you know each one you can you can you can go in and read those uh, which is also pretty cool uh, but like someone like myself I'm, i own you know i'm gonna own every one of them because i need to have that the lineup in my shelf that has like it's one of those weird things though like do i put this with you know your books or do i put it in its own little section like it's gonna be oh hard. yeah <laughs> a difficult decision to make especially when there's more than two you know i mean when they're now that there's only two it's like okay whatever but once there's like three four or five of them it's like oh they gotta be all in one spot like right with the goosebumps books i all, all gotta go in one spot yeah so on and so forth um but they've got oh that teleportasm uh yes. from joshua Mc, Mc, uh, millican coming out and yep. uh also cicada uh from tanya pal coming out there are also those have been announced and then there's been teasing of a <laughs> follow-up you know it's like we can say that because at least short oh, yeah. publishing has put out a picture with the candy cane kills and a two on it and that's it uh it's like when i freaked out when apple tv posted a picture of what's his face from um um now i can't even think of the name of the show um adam uh what's his name adam, adam scott yeah adam scott from yes next that show severance apple severance yes twitter uh on x uh, Apple TV posted just a picture of uh, of Adam Scott and, from Severance, and that was it. And I'm like, you mother, you're just yeah, teasing what are you? me. Like, hey, what are you doing to me? This is yeah. just teasing me. I want to know when it's coming out. I want to know all this stuff. <laughs> Same thing with uh, Candy. It's like you just finished reading the book, and and, and I was a little behind, obviously, because I I read it in not behind, I guess a couple weeks behind. Um, was that the, when you when you announced this thing? I'm like, oh, I'm excited, but like obviously it's gonna be a while before anything even officially gets announced. And so now you have to sit there, but. Again, because it's a novella, it's going to be easy to read this one over again when yes. there's more from Candy Cane in the future, which is awesome. Yeah, um, it's been really great to work with Alan for so many reasons, including that he is a brilliant graphic designer. And we mm -hmm. got to have a lot of fun thinking about, OK, when do we want to tease it? And then we decided, like, day after Christmas, let's drop it. And what's, it, what's the image going to be? And I... Um, he had had the idea of like two candy canes. And I was like, what if we do a candy cane broken in the shape of the number two? And that's the only, we we toyed with the idea of putting some blood in there, but it just looked so nice and clean. Oh, and and the, awesome. the broken aspect just adds that. <laughs> I was like, I we both were blown away by the response. I'm so grateful that folks, you know, even that soon after the first one came out, were, were so excited that there would be a sequel. And that sequel. really was encouraging to be like, great. And, um, 
yeah, it's it's the dream as a slasher writer to get to write a sequel, you know. Sequel, and that's the thing. And so so did I'm guessing the original plan from Shortwave was just to sell individual ones. Was it the success of this one that the, the the people liking it so much that like okay now we have to go back to this and do something else? My guess is that he wasn't gonna you weren't gonna do another one when this was originally pu- pu- pitched to you and done to you. Yeah, it was it was always intended to be a one off, but with the caveat, you know, yes. Alan had always said like you know there could be a sequel if if we if it makes sense you yes. know which means like if it's successful enough if if people if it seems like people would want that um so the response was was pretty clear um so i had been noodling on like what the sequel might look like but never fully outlined it until we had the conversation of like okay if, if we do this what yeah. i, I want to make sure that i as the author feel like the sequel deserves to exist and so once i cracked especially like the ending of the sequel. I was like, okay, now I know for sure that this, this has to happen. We got to do it. <laughs> and that, and that's, that's awesome. And that, that, that leads me to question is like, are, are you planning? And this is like, I said, you don't have to reveal any secrets. Is there more in the curse of the Reaper world that you would like to explore? Or is this like, you know, like I said, you don't have to say anything official or anything like yeah. that, but like, is this something that cause it is a slasher, uh, that is something that you would potentially want a sequel to it, or is it just basically like, okay, I liked this way this the, the ending, I like everything about it, and it's time for a different book. Yeah, I, I mean, and gratefully, like folks that uh, there are readers who want a sequel to that one, and I could, I have some ideas of where it could go, and at the same time, there is sort of a, uh, I'm very happy with where the first mm-hmm. one ended. I think for right now, the focus is uh, to hopefully have that that film adaptation yeah. happened because that's the other thing that a lot of people responded to was how like i want to see this as a movie and mm-hmm. uh, i also love people being like no but i want to watch all eight night of the reaper films like that that's what <laughs> yeah like, yeah you don't actually no one wants to actually see crystal reaper yeah. they want to see that, the reaper films like yeah which actually would be cool reaper. marketing it would actually would be a cool marketing behind it to do like not each individual all eight films but like trailers yeah. for all eight films you know I mean, mean, like, my... actually be able to go to YouTube and put on trailers of all those films as the film comes out, like a trailer for a film that's not about the part that's in a film, which has been done. Who did that recently? Didn't they do it like a couple of years ago? Well, Someone put a trailer out. I, I know, know Thanksgiving. I mean, I'm thinking of Thanksgiving, but uh, yeah. There was one before that. I could have, maybe that was it. Yeah. Where they just they put a trailer. It was in another movie and they made a movie of a trailer. That or was like um, Thunder. I almost said Thunder Road. Uh, Tropic Thunder did a lot of those like, yes. fake trailers before yeah. it, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, my thought for for Curse of the Reaper would be it would be great to do a series of eight one shot comics for each of the because then like I mean it's way less budget and you could really do the uh, the the insane uh, gore effects without yeah. worrying about <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, that would make a nice little omnibus at the end, but um, red, yeah. red brand, red band trailers for tra- for movies that are actually not being made. It's just yeah. fake, fake trailers. <laughs> like, okay, yes. we can't actually show you the real trailer. We actually have to put the red band on it because it's actually that gory and graphic. But yeah, uh, so you you have Candy Cane Kills. Obviously, the hopefully more in the world. Again, there's a teaser out there of that. Are you working on other book projects in the background, or is it you know? focusing on teaching like you mentioned but like or is it more screenwriting that you're like focusing on right now i have a new novel that's out on submission so uh looking for a new home for the for the next novel and then developing the book idea after that so it's really my focus now has been on the fiction front and then short stories like i just had a 
um, a uh, Drabble published at Horror Tree and a short story um, in the upcoming debut issue of Monstrous Magazine. Um, for me, like that's the goal is to is to get stuff published and then have conversation with my my film and TV folks about like okay is this something we want to take out in, into the film and TV world? Um, it's just been kind of the groove that makes sense for me at the moment, mm -hmm. rather than writing something on spec. Um, I did for for Candy Cane Kills because of the Writers Guild strike, we couldn't take the book out on submission to potential producers. So in that waiting period, I was like all right, I'm going to write the screenplay myself so that when we do take it out, it's already ready to go. Um, so that just went out as well. And, you know, it's fingers crossed that it finds, finds a home. Cause I think that one would, it would, it's just such an easy, it's the easiest yes. screenplay I've ever written because the adaptation is just pretty, yeah. pretty clean. Um, and, and we're, and we're needing, I think as you've seen over the past couple of years with things like Thanksgiving, with things like uh, you know, Violent Night and something like that, Silent Night over the past couple of years. There's these movies that have come out over the past, you know, five, six years that are holiday themed slashers or horror movies that people want. People want to see yeah. these things. I think it's one of those things that I don't think that Candy Cane Kills as a summer camp story, remove all the holiday aspects of it, would be good, but it might not be one of those things that like people are like, Oh, I'm gonna I really want this. Like it, it that that story could easily be be translated into a big blockbuster i say blockbuster no horror movies nowadays are that much of a blockbuster <laughs> but blockbuster in the world of horror movies i should say is yeah. a, i think people would want to see it i think that's that's proven that there's this need for it and and want for it and so I, yeah you're right that it, that would be a pretty easy sell in my opinion but again yeah i, like the book, I hope so, so. <laughs> thank you no and i i'm also grateful to see that there is you know we've had this spat of like you know elevated horror with with mm -hmm. the a24 of it all yes um but there is also now you know after movies like barbarian and megan um and thanksgiving there have been some real successes with kind of more fun campy just outrageous horror and yeah. i love i love that i'm so happy that those sort of kind of the, the balance of humor and horror is coming you know, be finding success as well. I mean, horror is always is always successful at the box office, but yeah. I'm glad that that tone that I think Candy King Kills fits into that sort of barbarian Megan arena, mm -hmm. um, Thanksgiving, uh, that it's just like over the top, um, but also fun. Like you want to go and like laugh and shout with your friends and have a good time like that those are the those are the best movies for me like seeing freddy versus jason was my first time seeing either a nightmare on elm street or a friday the 13th in the theater and it was a packed theater and it was so much fun it was just like cheering in the crowd and just like that's the kind of energy i want from from a movie screening <laughs> <laughs> and it's 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 people like it i mean it's taken over pop culture in general horror itself is like uh, i've met a number of horror legends because of comic book conventions uh you know mm. like they just they just now are out on the convention scene again you know I, you know i've met kane hodder you know i've met uh uh roger jackson uh voice of, of ghostface i've met these people who have uh, been these horror slasher people in these movies at comic book conventions, which is saying that they're just part of the pop culture zeitgeist that's out there. And, and I think that's cool. And so I think yeah. that there is a need and a want for horror. And you know, that's like horror books are huge now too, whether they're, they're, you know, I don't, it's a resurgence in the sense of it. You mentioned the slasher 
uh, is, a, is a slasher book subgenre that people are liking with 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 we just mentioned Mayfly, you know, this Stephen Graham Jones books. Um, that that it's exciting to see this go, and I'm excited that I mean, this is like I said, I don't something about this would be so much fun to watch uh, on a on a it could you know forget it it could be on Netflix or whatever those places it doesn't have to be in the theater. I, I theater would be fun though because I think going out in the holiday season when everybody's going out there to watch the holiday blockbuster, yeah. you're like, no, 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 I'm going to go watch Candy Cane Kills over here. I'm going to watch the splasher movie over here. Not, not this, uh, you know, Aquaman two. Uh, okay. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be mad if, if shutter wanted to make it. Cause I yeah, think I could see that being a home for it. Um, oh, but yeah, it's the, the big screen would, is always the dream, but um, you, you know, got I mean, me like, you got me all the feels inside feel like hearing that shutter noise, the, the shutter logo coming on the beginning of the, of a right. film, the candy cane. Like it's just like, I could hear it in my head and I'm right. like, oh, this looks like it does fit perfectly. Um, I also feel like just thinking of, we mentioned Halloween, Thanksgiving, at some point they're going to come up with a movie just called Christmas, right? It's going to be a horror movie based around Christmas, right? Like, I feel that like we just need like all the holidays. Just name just plainly what the holiday is. Yeah. Fourth of July. Fourth of July. Well, yes, they already yeah. had Independence Day. They've had Independence Day, so there's that. Oh, that's true. Yeah. So we have Independence Day, Sunday. Halloween. <laughs> we should be like Arbor Day. We've had, Val we've had Valentine and My Bloody Valentine. Yeah. Two but I feel like it just needs to be called Valentine's Day, though. Like it just needs yeah. to, be, and it needs to trick everybody because they all either think it's like some sort of love story, and then someone oh, yeah, gets murdered. Yep. <laughs> straight up you know pulling the rug out from underneath them yeah. uh, but yeah so that's that's awesome I, I, i'm so happy that that people have loved curse the reaper because again i missed the boat i didn't get really into reading novels again until about a, a year or two ago and uh, and so like i was just so far behind on things and i was reading a book a month maybe here and there now i'm into the point where i just can't put them down i'm like i'm like gonna be like 15 novels in this month that's um, amazing yeah, it's a lot, but it's fun. I just I'm excited to start the next one. It's just it's it's fun to do, and yeah. then I'm talking to more uh, more authors nowadays too, which is pretty fun. But uh, I'm glad I read it. And again, I'll tell you right now, Stephen Graham Jones is the reason I read it. That's so cool. So like, <laughs> so that's there's that you know what I'm saying. It's the same thing I mentioned to to, to CJ about CJ Lead about Mayfly because Adam Caesar and Stephen Graham Jones both had them a mayfly on their list yeah and so it was really cool to see that too uh and uh candy cane kills holiday horror slasher i love that it's amazing uh it was my 10th favorite book of the year i know that's that's top 10 that's so amazing that. that's huge uh it, it it slid right in there um it, it's again i think it's the novella part of it i think you're right i love your writing that's you know that's Thank to you. be said now um but also, like I said, the Killers VHS stuff is going to be awesome. I'm, I'm in for every single one of them. And that's the benefit also yeah. of having the different writers uh, is the fact that now Shortwave is going to have followers now that are followers of you mm -hmm. read, you know, Melonhead Mayhem and the future ones. And the, the writer, you know, all your other authors are potentially going to read the other ones because they yeah. follow a specific author, which is pretty cool. Having a different author write all the different stories is pretty cool. Yeah, it's a really it's a win-win where like people get to discover new authors or if, if like Candy King Kills is their first book they've read of mine, then they're like, okay, cool. I'm going to go check out Curse of the Reaper. And yeah. like it just kind of expands out from there. Mm -hmm. It's exciting. And if you want, you can watch Dismissed. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> Tell you right now, that kid creeped me out. I will say, I will say it, it was it was definitely, I, I think, stole the show in a sense, even though he was basically one of the main characters, but just like yeah. seeing, and then I now see like when I like, 
see the picture of the cover of the movie, I'm like looking at the kid. I'm like, oh God, this guy, this kid creeps me out. Uh, he he yeah. did such a great job, Dylan Sprouse, uh, yeah. former former Disney kid. Ironically, it's kind of like similar to to Trevor in Curse of the Reaper. He was a yeah. Disney like child star who he d- chose to do dismiss because he wanted to do something different, something darker. Um, so so <laughs> like is, a, he, uh, is he uh, is he up there in the running for potentially I mean, Curse the Reaper adaptation? That's <laughs> I mean, you got at least extra, you got at least extra audition, layers right? of, of meta. Yeah, yeah, you got at least audition for the role, right? I mean, you got to get him up there to do that. But no, uh, it was uh, it was a uh, it was I like the movie. It was a good movie. Nanny Cam felt Thank like a, a a a movie that was made for not yeah, me, for but. Yeah, <laughs> but it was it was definitely was good there again. Same thing. It was it was uh, I was captivated during it. So obviously it was you know it grabbed me there. Not that I'm going to go back and rewatch it again. I will tell you that much. No, sorry, that's, that's quite all right. <laughs> I, I brought you way up with saying how much I like Crystal Reaper and, and Candy King Girls, and then you shoved it right down. I, I, I got to pick you back up right here. Here, here, here we go. Um, no, um, yeah. So they're both available. Candy King Kills is available. Uh, you can't. You can only buy this the way it is now, right? Can you get it as the whole package again with the box and all that stuff from Shortwave? You know, I, I don't I, I figure that out. I think if you order direct from Shortwave, you Shortwave. might be able to get the the package. The whole still. thing. Um yeah. But yeah, it's it's available um in ebook and audiobook as well. Yes. Um and yeah, the audiobook is only like three or three and a half hours. Yeah, it's, really it's super fast, a super same. fast read. Yeah, it's yeah. hundred. They say the print like it's hundred and seventy-two pages, but it's really like they're in your acknowledgments and all that stuff at the back yeah. on the book. It's but like, that's a, it's a super fast read. You can read it in a weekend. And just because Christmas is over does not mean you can't read it now. Get no, on it, read it. Cozy winter, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then Curse of the Reaper is obviously available uh, wherever books are sold. Um, the bookshop.org is a great one because you can get your local shop your local bookstore gets credit for that uh which is pretty awesome and, and i think it's also available on libro fm if you're looking for a um, audiobook version of this libro fm uh libro.fm has it and your local bookstore as long as you enter them in gets a put kickback for listening it through there too so which is pretty cool uh, so That's you can awesome. support local however my caveat to the whole thing ever is if you can't get to those places and do those things, just buy it on Amazon. I'm sorry. I hate to support big <laughs> stores and corporations like that. But like in the end, the more people that buy these books, the more the publishers see that Brian is worth investing time, energy, and money into. And so just buy the book in general, buy it for gifts. This should be a stocking stuffer in all your people's stockings <laughs> next year. <laughs> Yeah, if you're trying to get rid get rid of family, that's a good yeah, way. To exactly. Do. You don't care. I don't like slashers. I don't care. You're getting you're getting uh candy cane kills for Christmas. That's what you're getting. Yes. Um no, but yeah. And uh look for the future. Hopefully there's some more coming from from uh candy cane kills. We'll we'll see, but she'll leave it at that. Um <laughs> and uh yeah, I'm hoping your next book gets picked up soon so we can hear about that and, and start publishing or start promoting that. because uh, I'm looking forward to it. And I'm hoping Thank I see so a movie much. at some point. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Justin. It's been a pleasure chatting with you. Absolutely. And don't be a stranger. You'll have to come back on at some point in the future. Uh, maybe next Christmas we'll come on. We'll just talk about horror Christmas movies in general. And we'll yeah. Promote this maybe there will be something something more to talk about next year. Maybe. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we got to do a set a date and then cancel that date because yes, something's exactly. going to come out in between. The number of times I've, I've recorded things and literally like hang up and like an hour later news about what I recorded about happened you're like come on was it are you serious right now I'm like i don't think i can say anything and then we've to stop recording and like an hour later it's on like you know <laughs> it, it, uh, associated press i'm like what the heck um 
but yeah, so check those books out. We have uh, Candy Cane Kills and uh, Curse of the Reaper. Uh, recommend Curse of the Reaper recommended by Stephen Graham Jones, everybody. So if you're a Stephen Graham Jones fan, <laughs> I oh really appreciate it. We appreciate taking the time to talk to me, Brian. Uh, you know, good luck in all your endeavors, and we'll talk again soon. Okay, man. Thank you so much, man. It was a pleasure. You have a good day.